This podcast is brought to you by 3B, the mental wellbeing company, hosted by Claire and Sue, co-founders of 3B. When you've got your wellbeing mojo on, you're firing on all cylinders, you're accepting of whatever comes your way, you're being resilient. We believe that one size does not fit all, and we want you to discover your own wellbeing mojo. So join us on our podcast journey where we'll be exploring the many different aspects of mental well-being. And hopefully, you can learn what you need to get your well-being mojo on. This week's podcast features an extract from our weekly radio show, Let's Talk Well-Being. Welcome to Let's Talk Wellbeing. We are here to bring, I don't know, a bit of a smile, smile to your face, your insides and your outsides. And uh, <laughs> smile to your insides and your outsides. Yeah, that really you know, good. <laughs> and to kind of boost your ears with a little bit of wellbeing chatter, all sorts of things to kind of get you thinking, get you reflecting, maybe get you sort of doing things a little bit differently. But we're here to support you. We're here to boost you up. That's what we're here for, isn't it, Claire, at the it end is, of the day? definitely. Yeah. And one of the wonderful things about this show, we think, is the way that we get to hear people's stories. We get to hear people's journeys with their mental well-being and, um, you know, what it's been for them, how they've learned from it and what stuff they might be doing differently in their life these days. And the purpose of that really is to give a platform to issues that we all might be struggling with and for you to maybe kind of relate to some of it or not or maybe get to see things from a different perspective. So hopefully we're spreading some goodness out into the world and we've got, you know, another fantastic guest interview lined up for you this afternoon which um, we're really excited to share, aren't we, Claire? We are. She was lovely. And what I really liked about her was she was really owning herself, comfy in her own skin, and it was great to see that. Yeah, I think and that's definitely what we're all about at 3B. In fact, it fits so beautifully with the B of our 3Bs. It does. So I'll, I'm going to kind of introduce this interview because we did this interview earlier in the week with our guest. But our guest today has a backstory that we didn't really get a chance to talk about in the conversation that we had with her. And yet we felt it was important to share. So Anna, whose interview you'll hear in a few moments, also agreed that hearing other stories can be a source of help, support, and can encourage us to be more compassionate, not only of ourselves, but of other people too. And as we were saying just then, this is what we're all about here at 3 and we want to provide a platform for the everyday real-life issues that people face with their well-being. The challenges, the setbacks, and the emotional roller coaster that many of us can suddenly find ourselves on. And Anna's story is no exception. It includes extreme grief and loss, which she does refer to a little bit in our chat, caring for her nan with terminal cancer, the loss of her parents, her mum when she was just 18 years old, later on her brother who was killed in a road accident, and losing one of her best friends who died suddenly. 
she also experienced the unimaginable loss of her twin boys. Nevin, just three, years after, uh, three hours after his birth, and 19 months later, following many complications, William too sadly passed away. And yet through all of this, Anna has kept going, rebuilding her life through giving to others and by learning to take care of herself, providing a loving home for her brother's son, who she adopted, plus her son and what she refers to as her rainbow twins, who arrived later. Divorce and being on her own with five small children led her to retrain as a holistic therapist, and this opened up a world of possibilities. And as you will hear in the interview, meditation, tapping into her spirituality, which was always there, is the bedrock of her approach to life. She describes herself as a happy person and sees a value in the sadness, enabling her to truly appreciate the good things. Her family, the work she does, that she says doesn't really feel like work at all because it's just part of who she is, and meeting her now husband, John. Anna says that mental well-being for her means being able to be free to be me and to be able to understand and acknowledge my feelings and that helping others helps me. Here's our chat with Anna. Today's show, we have a fabulous guest for you, um, Anna Moss. Welcome, Anna. Hello. Oh, we're really excited to chat with you. So, Anna, um, you run a business called Moss Magic Retreat, and you are a beauty and holistic therapist, and you provide all sorts of things, all sorts of services within yeah. that. So some of the things include Hopi massage, reflexology, head massage. You're also a Reiki master. Um, you also do a bit of tarot and... I love this. You hold meditation circles for men and women, which sounds really yeah. exciting. And something I know we're definitely going to want to ask you about is that you are also a practicing witch and you incorporate this when you feel it's appropriate or whenever you can. Yeah. yeah. So welcome to the show, Anna. So much to kind of dive into and, and to ask you about in terms of all the things, all the brilliant things that you're doing in the wellbeing world. Um, so thanks for making time to talk well-being with us this afternoon. I just thought maybe we could just start off if you could just tell us a little bit about your sort of backstory and how you how you arrived here, how you came, you know, to be involved in this kind of work. Could you share a little bit of that with us, please? I think I was 16 and I started, I wanted to be a beautician. I'm 43 now, so it's going back a little bit of time. A lot of time, actually, but, you know... Uh, and I stayed doing beauty in the Riverside College. Well, I think it was Holston College then, actually. Um, and I, I left because my mum got sick, so I helped my dad look after my mum. And it's sort of one of them things that's just always been on the back burner thing. And then obviously life happens and kids happen and marriages and one thing or another. Anyway, with my divorce, I can't remember years ago now, it was eight, ages ago. But after that, I got, oh, I had twins who were one. And I, re I, had, I had to give up my job because there's no no childcare and there's no way I could work with five kids under eight. I've never not worked. I like to work, I like to be busy. So I did, um, paid for myself to do um, horses, you know, of a night time when the kids were in bed. And then as soon as the kids went, the twins went to nursery, I went back to college to do beauty again. So it was a bit of a, 
bit of a gap, but I went back and I did it. And I think 33 or 34, like going about 10 years ago, something like that. Anyway, and I just love them going for beauty. I prefer the holistic on the beauty, but also like the massage and the well-being tapes, the, the beauty treatments. So I just did more courses and trained myself and did my Reiki, which I absolutely love. I've always been a bit of a witch. And then I was, when I was on my own and then when I've been married, sort of had more confidence. I think you get confidence of age anyway, don't you? So that's mm. confidence grew. And I was just in my own skin. Now I look, I picture myself 15, 20 years ago and I think, God, who's that? Oh, <laughs> I feel happier now. I love that phrase that you use there about being in your own skin. It's yeah, kind of, it. it really resonates with me and Claire. It's a phrase that we use a lot. And I think a lot of people are really sort of searching for that. And it sounds like, you know, you've arrived. You're kind of, you're in your own skin and you're owning that and you're very much who you are. Um, yeah. So and I think it's interesting, isn't it? When we come to things in later life or slightly later life, I think we're often more sure about them. You know, so you're saying you're sort of studying in your 30s there. Um, you're even more sure, I think, aren't you, when you're that little bit older? Would I, was you the, I was the mum. There was yeah. me and the lady who was a bit younger than me, and we were called the mums of the group because we were with a lot of um, school leaving, you know, yeah. girls 17, 16, 17 and 18, and then there was a couple who were in the 20s, one was in the 30s, and I was, well, one was like early 30s, and I was 33 or 34, I can't remember which, but we were the mums of the group then, looked after the younger ones. So, no. No, I did it. You know, when you look back and think, how did I do all that coursework and do all that with the kids? And oh, it was, no, I did it, but I did it. I think that's it, though. I think when you're kind of really driven and when you're really focused on a goal, you you just you do you just kind of make stuff happen, and you you're not overthinking it. I think you're sort of no. in a flow with it, aren't you? And it sounds like you were very much on the path, you know, that was you meant with it, don't you? Yeah, which is amazing. And there's there's so many different elements to your story. And I know that you've you've shared some stuff kind of in the in the pre-course information, sorry, pre-show information, pre-course, pre-show information that you've um provided about, you know, lots of there was lots of different things happening in your life, you know, that have kind of impacted on you. And maybe we'll have a chance to sort of get into a little bit of that. But something that you said. Uh, I am going to kind of go there straight away if it's all right. You said, I've always been a bit of a witch. I have, Can you yeah. elaborate on that statement for us, what you mean by that? Well, my mum, I mean, I was actually christened, baptised Catholic, and so was my mum and my dad, really. So I don't know how we all ended up like we've ended up, but my mum used to be a medium as well. So she used to go to the old, uh, it's in Lacey Street. I don't know if it's still there. There's spiritual church in Lacey Street, so she used to do readings there. Uh, and people used to come to the house while she read, read cards and my dad used to read tea leaves. So it was just sort of, never really questioned it. It was just one of them things that was just, it just happened. And then I've just sort of developed that myself as I've got older. I think various bereavements and things that happened in my life personally has made me look to more of a spiritual, a spiritual answers because I think sometimes you can't get the answers you're looking for. So I went down a different path and I, I found the answers I was looking for. I found peace in me then. And I think by a bit of peace and a bit of, because I've had the grief I've had, I think that gave me empathy for other people as well. So I understand people's feelings because I understand what they're feeling. I've gone through it or similar myself. It's interesting that, isn't it, what you're saying there is, I think we are always looking for answers or we're looking to, we seek to understand, don't we, about yeah, either what's happening within ourselves or what's happening around us, what's happening to the people that we love. 
And I think that's uh, very much our quest within our, our our well-being in a way, isn't it? That we can, as you say, find that peace within us. Um, yeah. What would you say to somebody that's kind of struggling with that kind of stuff right now? If they're kind of saying that, well, I really don't have that peace and, I, and I'd love some of that. Is there any is there anything that you could kind of say to sort of encourage them? Just think about today. Just even if it's just an hour of today or 10 minutes of today, get through the 10 minutes, then do another 10 minutes, get through that 10 minutes. Don't think about tomorrow. Just think, if you think about tomorrow, it can be overwhelming. So just think about the, the time you're in now. Oh, I love that. That's really good advice. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's that's it. It's sort of, yeah, you you surprise yourself what you can actually endure if you're doing it for a short short period of time. Yeah, yeah. really good advice. I think that you mentioned yeah. about you know kind of bereavement and loss. I wonder, are you? Would it be all right to kind of ask you a little bit about that, Anna? Because I know that yeah, has been part of me. So it's fine. Yeah, it's very much influenced sort of your journey, really, hasn't it? It really has, yeah. I think we started off, this sounds really a bit mad, but when I was 17, I was 18, when my mum passed away, I went to get a job and I started off in Nazareth House in Witness with the nuns and the residential care. It was such a lovely job. I loved the older people. I spoke to them all day, all night. The stories I had to tell you, it just fascinated me. And there was one lady called Ethel, God rest her soul. She's, she's long gone now. She was 96 then. She When she passed away, she didn't have any... Um, family or anything so we were sort of her family and um, she said to me one day you don't regret and this stuck with me all of my life you don't regret um not doing don't regret not doing something she said, because I've got regret she'd never been held in a man's arse I'd been she'd never been married because she was really a staunch catholic so she'd lived on a life on her own and she passed us like a few bin bags to show for life and that just sort of stuck with me Ethel think so everything I've done bad I blame Ethel <laughs> <laughs> but she passed away and the room number she was in we at the time we don't know if you still do it now but we, we dressed her and made and things like that so she was all um at peace uh, in a bed and as we walked out of a room a room buzzed and you had to go in the room to turn the buzzer off and that was my sort of first spiritual experience really and no one else wanted to go in but i did i was only 17 or 18 i was terrified but i went in then the buzzer off and said thanks and bye. Yeah, Love them all. But it's just that bit of advice that stuck with me from Ethel. That's lovely that. I like the fact that you were scared, but you still went in. Um and do you think you thought then in that moment this is a spiritual thing, or is it is it the more looking back at that, you thought that was my first spiritual like thing? Uh, well, I had spiritual things when I was younger because I'd seen things when I was younger, but that was my first one that really, really jumped out because I had to physically go in to turn the buzzer off because there was no way that would have gone off. Mm. There was nobody in that room with the lady. And I just went in and I think it was her way of saying, like, thank you and goodbye. So that's thank you and goodbye. So that was, a, that was the first one that's helped me mind as an adult growing mm. up. It seems like you're very open to what's going on in the world around you you're very open to like looking at things and and seeing what's coming to you but being open about what that could be am i right there i am yeah uh, yeah I, it, really i'll sort of give anything to listen to or i'll quite happily read up on loads of different cultures different religions i love all of it i think it's that interesting for more knowledge nobody knows everything you've got always learning everybody's always learning mm. do you think that's part of why 
you find this peace as well because I must admit because when I just think about you're very open so you've not got any fixed like things in your mind that's stopping you you bet you're just very open to whatever's coming to you and that to me seems to really resonate with finding this peace within you as well do you think that's true yeah, the only thing that stops me is time <laughs> that's it <laughs> is it all in but i generally do think there's a saying isn't it, about giving a busy person something to do and they'll do it i generally do yeah, I think having five kids, you were always going to be a busy person anyway. Seven. <laughs> seven. Seven. Oh, my God. Right, so seven kids in total, so you were always going to be busy. It's like yeah. the trap family. So no, it is. <laughs> I'm trying to get single and not having it. Oh, <laughs> that's a shame. <laughs> but this this thing about you found peace, and, and I completely agree, I do think as you get older, you get more used to being in your own skin. But I still think, I know I've got a long way to go and I'm still, sometimes I don't. What is it? Do you do something that helps you with that? Do you do things on like a, a regular basis that helps you to be comfy in your own skin, find this peace, that kind of stuff? I mean, well, I do Reiki, which I honestly, it's just, if everybody in the world I knew Reiki and did Reiki, there'd be no walls because it's just such a peaceful place to be in I, when I give Reiki I feel like I've had Reiki so that's helpful to me yeah. I also give me Reiki symbols when I go to bed I do a meditation when I go into bed I do my meditation circles which I it's just such a lovely energy a nice peaceful feeling it's just I don't there must be days where I look in the mirror and go oh, I don't like my eyes today but that's normal it's not like I, I do think as you get older um you do feel comfortable in your own skin but I do have a client who come and I think every single person says they hate the feet. Every single person. I always say to them, don't hate your feet. Your feet get you the boat everywhere. Oh, yeah, that's true. Back, or I don't like this. Or every, not one single client ever comes to me and says they like, well, there's always something they don't like. Or from mass, oh, I don't like that. I've put a few pounds on it. Like, it's just skin. It carries you. It's, part, it's just the outside. Don't worry about the outside bits. Not the inside bits. I think that's something that we all need to hear more and more of, that it's the inside bits that count, definitely. It yeah. is. It is, really is. I think if we stop judging each other and stuff like that, that would help uh, because we often do all stop comparing ourselves sometimes as well. Social media doesn't help with that. I feel so sad for the younger girls and the younger boys, obviously, with the social media. Such a lot of pressure on them, it's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. I love how, though, you you like, clearly you do meditation regularly. You're really immersed in the stuff that you do. Can you tell us more about this, like, um, meditation circle? Because it just sounds, sounds fabulous. Well, I, I do, because a lot of circles, it's like sister circles, which is great, just for women's only. But there's a couple of fellows who are quite spiritual who come. And that just because the male shouldn't, you can't exclude anybody for whatever reason. But I think they bring a male energy to the group. So, for instance, on Friday, I've just done a meditation circle for New Year, and it's based on the god Janus, which is a Roman god of two faces. So he's got a face looking backwards and a face looking to the future. Present face you can't see, because obviously we're in it, aren't we? And the man who was at the circle then, I focused, he gave me the inspiration to do a god. They normally do goddesses. But it's like some people help me as well, yeah. realising it. And we do like a... a, a a chant or a song is on comes on the TV to get you in that, you know, to 
start bringing your body down and just to get relaxed in the moment. Then I read, read a story on, I have to write it as well, it takes me ages. I find whatever the god, the goddess is or the star sign, whatever's like, so next month I'll be doing in bulk, which is um, midsummer or midwinter. Sorry, midwinter, not midsummer, God. And um, we do the meditation. Then after the meditation, we do like a little card pull. So someone reads a card out and it might help. When they read it out, it might help them. They can take the card personally. I might help somebody in the circle. Then after that, we tend to have a break and we make a craft of something and have some end up got some ghost stories mainly. It's just a nice atmosphere to be in and everyone should feel safe and included. And if someone's got something they want to talk about, they're in a safe space to get it out of the system. And it's all confidential, so everyone in the circle couldn't repeat it to somebody else. So it's everybody who's in the circle, safe space and a voice, because sometimes your throat chakra, you can get blocked because you're frightened of saying, speaking your truth. So if you speak your truth, you won't get blocked. That's okay. a little... And I, I, I absolutely love this. I could listen to that loads. I, I think I love I love how you brought the men into it as well because I think that is. I, I think the fact that more and more men are getting on board with this, is, I think, is really good. So hopefully they'll they'll talk about what's wrong with like for them, um, taking part in meditation because, yeah, sometimes you find that men won't or don't they don't feel comfortable. Or feel a bit daft or yeah. But I think what you said there about, and you were pointing to like your chest and it's like your throat, like it can catch or you can't speak it properly. And I know I do that at times. It sort of sticks in my throat and maybe it's because I'm not, I'm not in a good place or I'm worried about what I'm going to say, how that's going to be taken. But it is really true that we need to have a voice and we need to speak our truth. And I think that's really important. Some of our listeners might go, what do you mean by speak your truth? What do you mean by that when you say that? Well, say what you're thinking because it'll stick with you. And if you've got something that you can't get off your chest verbally, physically, because you are frightened of how it's going to be um, taken, a good way, I think, is to write it down. And I, I burn it, but you can flush it or you can put it in the bin. Just physically get it out of your system because it can make you ill. Stress has all sorts of heart attacks, high blood pressure, all sorts Headaches, sleep, you know, can't sleep, grinding your teeth, that's another one of, of stress. So just as, as, as much as you physically can speak your truth, speak it. If you can't physically speak it, write it and get rid of it. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's so powerful. I mean, the way that you come across so sure, so confident, so candid in the way that you speak about these things, they're, they're, they're obviously very, you as Claire says, you're very immersed in this in this work as, as a way of life. You know, it's, it is a way of life. Yeah. Life. And it's just, it's, it's so authentic, you know, the way it comes over. And I think, I think it's, it's, you've obviously reached that point. It's almost kind of like, yeah, you're 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 living life on your terms. It would seem. Would you agree with that, Anna? Well, I'm trying my best. <laughs> that's that's just awesome. It's interesting because one of the questions I was going to ask you about what do you enjoy most about this work, but I think you've kind of already answered that because you know, it, it, unless you want to add, you know, like when you were saying that when you do a treatment with someone or you're doing one of these circles or you're engaged in one of these activities you're getting so much from it as well and you're constantly learning and taking on new information or it's sending you off kind of letting you research like you were saying about reading up on the gods and yeah it's sort of is this something that you enjoy the most about what you do 
I don't feel like a um, work. I just part of my life, so it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like work. I just I think if somebody comes to see me for a treatment or for a reading or whatever they come for and they left not happy, I would generally be gutted, like really sad. I'd reach out to them and offer them a free treatment or whatever I could do to fix it. Such would I haven't so far, but you never know. But I would be really upset if someone wasn't happy. Yeah. And what would you say to someone that's feeling a bit, you know, maybe they're kind of a bit curious, but a little bit sceptical or they've got that kind of like, you know, two voices sort of, you know, because I'm interested in sort of where, how people find you, you know, in terms of where they're at when they come to something like a meditation circle. Are they are they already really kind of bought into this or is it someone who's, who's coming with a bit of trepidation for the first time? Bit of both. Uh, some who come who are spiritually minded, like like Wiccan or pagan. Some who have got different religions. I'm not trying to get anybody to be not like being, you know, bringing them onto my religion. It, it's and whatever your religion is, fine. As long as you can find some aspect of what we do as a bit of peace or a bit of relaxation for you, then that's all that I I'm happy with. So we do get some people who come who are not particularly religious at all. Like my husband does not believe in anything. He's an agnostic. So he's completely different to me. But I think that's just what makes the world go around, isn't it? If it all embrace each other's differences and can't all be the same. Because, I mean, look at me. I mean, <laughs> see, read down the street. I don't mind being different. So if you've got to embrace differences, definitely, because that makes you happy as well, makes everybody happy. Just to be, to be different and be comfortable in being different. Or being the same, whatever you want to be. You've got to just be happy in what you are. It's yeah, it's such a clear sort of message and something that we're really big on at 3B that we're we really try to advocate with people because I think these are the things that, that do that do impact on people's well being. They kind of they stop people from being who they are, speaking their truth, feeling comfortable in their own skin and all that kind of stuff. And I don't think necessarily we've associated those things with our well being. You know, we were, I think we're kind of, we're exploring that more and we're expanding that. And I think it's becoming, I think these things were often seen on the fringes, you know, of society, weren't they? I think they're becoming a little bit more into the mainstream. Would you agree with that? I would, because everybody's struggling at the minute. Everyone's struggling with every, whether it's money or how they're going to pay the bills or with losing jobs. We're not childcare because they're trying to get extra jobs to pay for things and they go out and the kids looked after Everybody's worrying about something at the minute. The way the world is right now, it's not just your own personal thing, it's the way the actual world's going and climate change and all the rest of it. So I think everyone's looking for something else just to take, like the news. You can't even watch the news anymore, it's too depressing. So we need to find something, just even if it's just a 10 minute meditation in the morning. I've sent clients, just me talking to them for a meditation, or I've sent them an EFT tapping sequence or a TFT, not, not charge them for it, just. To, you know, help them a bit. If it's if it might not work for them, it might. You got to try all sorts. You find what works for you. That I'm, that that's really true. That's something we speak about a lot. It's finding what works for them. I love the fact that you're doing the tapping EFT TFT stuff, um, but also you're supporting people wherever they happen to be. Is it is it virtual? Can you do um, the the meditation circles virtually? I know you can't do Reiki virtually, but do you, is it all face to face? Sorry. It's then distance healing um, with Reiki. I do do tarot online. I've got someone who, I think he's in Bangkok. He did used to live in Hong Kong to be fair. <laughs> um, 
And the yes, I send the videos over, so I've videoed me, me doing it and just WhatsApp them. Yeah. Look and see if that helps, because sometimes you feel a bit daft like in someone's house doing a bit of this and a bit of this, don't you? So if you're on your own, it takes that worry of somebody else watching you doing it, so they can just yeah. post on their own. What so, is it like? Sorry, go on, Anna. I they don't feel like they're getting watched. Sometimes if you, you know, especially if you come to the house, some people yeah. don't feel comfortable coming to someone's house for treatment. So I have a, I work in a cellar on a Friday for people who don't feel comfortable. So I do try and incorporate everybody where I can. But with the tapping, if I send them the video, they can try it first. Or I'll send them the sequence, you're just typed up, so they can read it. So they're not sat in my living room or sat in my salon with me watching doing this. <laughs> so, you know, it takes a bit of. The stress out them for them so they can try it on their own first. I love how you've thought about that. You've thought, like, if somebody's not comfortable coming to my home, then I've got the salon. And then you're just very accommodating. I was trying to think of the word, but you're very accommodating of where people are and where they're about. And I, I love that. I think that's really important. I can imagine, though, the circle being really empowering because you are together. And you're with you and especially in your home because like i said the lovely fire you know and just all the things around you i think so will probably enhance what's going on for them and and that home. i think well you have to fire on for the circle anyway yeah usually me. but if you look up there that's me altar behind you but above there is my piece on so it's all a bit witchy oh that's fantastic <laughs> got, what did you call it i'm gonna call it a broomstick a broomstick, but we call it peace. Right, fabulous. So in your home, I love that. And um, that's brilliant. <laughs> so all <yours> weird. <laughs> I, yeah, well, I think quirky, and I think quirky people, we need more of those. So like, because you were saying before, you know, walking down the street, because you've got like your dreadlocks in and your tattoos and this fabulous necklace that you've got. Oh, there's all sorts. Of, there's literally not one. I can't take them off. They've all got... <laughs> But I know I've not killed myself yet, but I haven't. <laughs> and you've even got a black cat. So, like, yeah, there you go. There's your title. Yeah. Well, <laughs> oh, you look fabulous and you, and you look really happy. And I like that. I like being able to see that. Clearly, you're putting out what you've got as well. And I think that's really important. Why is well-being so important to you? That's quite hard. Well, firstly, quite selfishly, really, is so I've got no mental health problems because obviously I'm a mum before I'm anything else. Before I'm even me, I'm a mum, then I'm me, <laughs> then I'm everybody else's. Uh, because obviously all of the bereavements I've had, I think if I wouldn't have practised well-being, I don't know what sort of position I'd be in today, if you know what I mean, so I don't know. Just help it help me. I've said this over and over. But I really mean it to help me find peace and trying to find. Um, we're having the spiritual side, but I think of the, well, we call it summerlands. So I think that they're in the summerlands and not like just gone. So that sort of helps me as well. And when I get signs or a smell or something moves on here or something breaks or anything, oh, they're just saying hello. So it doesn't. I'm not not really scared. It's quite nice, comforting, really, actually. So I think my has helped me find comfort. So it, it has it has helped me well being, yeah. And if I can pass that on somebody else who's had bereavements or recent bereavements, then I, I like to do that too. Because it's when you see someone who's coming, the recent bereavement, you can see you can feel the pain. It's it's not a nice feeling for them either. You can you can tell someone's when they're in pain, so you're trying to let them 
well, you, you can't stop the pain, but if you can help it, even if it's just action, it's still a help, isn't it? Absolutely. So, Anna, we were talking there before about, um, you know, kind of the pain and suffering that sort of we experience as, as humans is very much part of being a human being, isn't it? You know, it is, yeah. and we're really big on emotions at 3B and, and sort of learning to understand them so we can regulate and and be OK with what's happening to us. Within your practices, is that something that you do with people within the different things that you offer, you know, kind of helping people? Because we're often told to sort of sit with our emotions and be with them and be okay. Is that something that that forms part of the work that you do? Yeah, and let them out. If you want to cry, cry. Let it out. It's no good holding it in. Just cry and have a good cry. Give yourself an hour or so. Don't dwell in it after you've had a good cry. But then you feel better after you've had a good cry. Everybody does. You've got something to say, don't hold it in, that'll make you root your teeth. Generally you're fine like that. And you can feel it, feel the energy off it if you got sort of a bit angry. Whatever the emotion is, you're best off letting it out. I mean, not saying like if you've got an anger emotion, go around and like be angry with somebody. That's that's the ideal one for writing it down. Putting it in the bin or burning it. And like shouting at somebody, obviously. But um yeah, just you've got to let it go. Acknowledge the feeling, sit with it. That's a good thing, sit with it, because then you can get the What's the pros and the cons? I always say about the pros and the cons, writing things down into boxes. So if someone comes to me and say they're stuck on what they're to do, I, I, I know it's like an old school thing, but I think it works. Do Write it down and look at it. And when you physically, cause when I used to learn things, I would read it, write it on shorthand and type it up. Now, by doing that like a few times, it went into my head a bit better because I think I'm a visual learner. So if you get someone's got a quandary and say, well, write it down and then tick the boxes. And then when just the act of physically writing it down and reading it back, and they can assess it a bit better. You can physically look at it rather than thinking about it, going round and round, because some people can be overthinking it. And when you're overthinking, you worry about it. So the best thing is setting it out, writing it down and rereading it. And you can cross things off, tick things, think, oh, that doesn't serve me. I'm not having that one. It, it, just by visual looking at it can help. If that makes any sense. It makes sense to me, though, if it does to you. <laughs> No, I think it really does because I'm I'm a big one for sort of unpacking things. I always think about I've got to unpack this. It's almost like it's it's kind of bursting out the box, so I need to kind of unpack it, take all the pieces apart, and look at what I've got. So I really like your your kind of pros and cons. I was going to ask you, you know, where does that originate from? Where did you get that sort of idea? But it sounds as though it's something that you've kind of learned from, as you say, when you were studying. Or yeah, it, it, but it's a really nice tip, isn't it? I don't know. It's just something I've just done. I couldn't give it. I couldn't say it when it happened. It just sort of happened. Don't know. No, no. It sounds like it sort of it, it really works for you. And I think, I think that's it, isn't it? Often with problem solving or with difficulties that come up in our lives and challenges, I think we expect a lot of ourselves. I think we expect ourselves to know what to do or, you know, to be able to fix things sort of straight away. And and I think going through some sort of process, allowing ourselves to be allowing ourselves to grieve, you know, and giving ourselves that space and permission enables, as you say, all these emotions, all these different thoughts and things to kind of be released, really. And um, I loved what you were saying at the start of the conversation about how, you know, we carry so much tension with us. Um, and I think I know for myself personally, if I'm if I'm doing that and I haven't kind of had that release for whatever reason, um, and, and I do, I can feel it physically, you know, sort of in my body. I think we all have a certain place in our body maybe where 
we kind of hold tension, don't we? I always, always start any meditation for the body scan, or even if not doing a meditation circle and someone comes to me for a massage or whatever it's come for and they say they feel intense, I always say to a body scan because you don't realise how much tension you're actually holding your body until you start to do a body scan. It takes a minute, if that. It's where you sort of tense your head, but like yourself, and then let it go. When you work your way down your shoulders and you work your way down your arms and all the way down to your feet, you do that three times, and by the third time, it doesn't feel as tense. But until you physically go like that to tense your shoulders, you don't realise how much you hold until you let it go. And you go, oh. It's so like, even just that, that a minute a day of that, end of the day, that helps. Another good one is if you're having a really stressful day or you've had a horrible day, and you're at home and that's it, you're done for the day, you're not going anywhere. I Go back, so you think, went to school this morning. So wherever you leave throughout the day, you leave a little bit of energy with. It's gone just a little bit of your energy. So you go back to where you've been for the day, just bring it back, put it back in. That makes any sense. It does to me. So if I've been to school and I've been, I don't know, shopping and I've been to my friend's house and I've been somewhere else, I go backwards, so I bring it, like collecting it and putting it back in. That helps. Ooh. Not heard of that before. I like that. I really like that. So in your head, yeah. you revisit where you've been and then take that energy back yeah. and bring it back into you. I'm loving the, like, yeah visualization of that of yeah like going along and like yeah visualizing that in your head and putting that energy back i I really like that i'm assuming then if there's like been is it like if you've had like maybe an altercation with somebody that you leave the bad energy or just take the good energies what what would you do then well because i practice reiki when I, there's a lot of visualization with Reiki. So when you're working on people, you literally visualize it, visualizing colors, spirits, spirit guides, and you're visualizing where the pain is, and you're trying to send colors to where the pain is, things like that. So when I'm working to get the negative energy out of them, what, what I do is I do like a body sweep. So you go around the body and you sort of sweep. I imagine it as gray smoke. That's the color I was thinking of. Like I know it's not a negative color, but that's just the color I think of in my head is gray. And then I push it into the purple flames, and then that takes it to the atmosphere. So take the negative energy, put it in the purple flames and send it off. And really, I've had a few clients will listen to this whenever it goes out and they ring up and tell you, but I've had a few say they feel like I don't touch over the, when I'm working the way, I literally work probably about that that far off. Yeah. So the feet I work like the bit far off the feet, so I don't touch the feet. And when I'm like imagine pulling the energies out and sending it off, I feel like the feet's getting pulled, which is quite weird, isn't it? Even I find that a bit weird, but I've had that comment a few times. Or did you touch my feet now? The place yeah. I make is your head to make a connection in your shoulders. And then I, that's when I'm sat behind you. And then when I'm working on the make, I work over the body. Yeah. It's really weird, isn't it? I think this is why more and more people, I think if you'd have said 10 years ago, you're a witch, people would have been like, what? But we're more and more used to that now. And I think more used to this language and this spirituality stuff. But actually, I can imagine that I've had I've had reflexology where I had a banging headache and they moved my big toe and it got rid yeah. of my headache without touching. Because if you'd have touched my head, it would have hurt. And it sounds like it's that kind of thing that people are feeling that pull. There's there's more than we know about in this earth and, and within us that, you know, we can't possibly go that stupid or. It's about just being open, like I'd started saying to you before, you're very open to all of these kind of things and what's going on in the world around us. And 
If I'm working with Reiki, when I'm trying to help with someone's any negative any negative feelings or any stresses or emotions they've got, I do I work over the body and I imagine it to be like a grey smoke as like any negativity. It's a lot of visualisation work. And I work around the body, get to above the feet, and then I just imagine it, I'm pulling it off and send it to the purple flames, which then takes it off back into the atmosphere. So you dissipated and sent back down as nice things. <laughs> the colours seem really important, though, because you're like... I know you were saying that's how you visualise it, the grey smoke, but they're the purple and then going off into the atmosphere. Is this something? Because I'm really, I like colours and they're no... Purple is a spiritual colour. Right. Because I'm doing Reiki, I work with colours of the chakras as well. Brilliant. It's like the violet, the purple, blue, green. Um, I use an, a gold centre stone, it's a Wiccan one, which not everybody does. And the yellow, the orange and the red, they're all your chakra colours. And it's like going down your body then. Well, yeah, but when you're lying down and doing a Reiki, I say to me in my head, as above, so below, so I'm bringing the light from above and from the bottom, and it sort of centres on the person. I'm trying yeah. to get... That sounds a bit mad, doesn't it? <laughs> it? It does, and it also sounds fab. <laughs> mad and fab. I think the things that we consider oh, to be fab. mad in the world are often the things that are really, you know, I don't know, the the, the stuff that, that has a deep value and a deep meaning. And I think it's often just things that people find unusual or it's not typical or they've not had exposure to. But, you know, like you said right at the start, it seemed that this kind of, you know, you talk about your family reading tea leaves and this was, you know, your mum was was very spiritual and it's it's sort of, so you've grown up kind of not really questioning any of this stuff. And it's just yeah. sort of expanded and, and kind of built from there. What about your own family? You know, what about, you know, your your, your kids and your young people in, in your world? Are they very much on board with that? Are you very much a kind of a family that practices this stuff? I'll, I'll leave them all to do what they want to do, really. I can't just because I practice witchcraft doesn't mean they should. Um, my oldest son, who's my second oldest son, I should say, he's gone to, we've both gone to uni, but my second oldest son, he's, Decided he wants to learn more Norse things and he wants he's, he's about Norse things and Wiccan things, so that's his little path he wants to follow. So any questions he has, he'll ask me and I'll give him some answers if I can. I'm not great on the Norse stuff, but I'm trying. Um my daughter, she's into crystals, loves the crystals. I've tried to reiki, but she gets the giggles, so I'll give up. She's 17 though. <laughs> uh my stepdaughter, she's mad, mad, mad on crystals. I mean he, one of my twins, little girl, she is also mad on crystal. She loves getting reiki. She likes to massage people as well. So, I don't know, I think I'm rubbing up a little bit. And there's the dog, sorry. Oh, oh the dog's joined in the interview. That's fab. That's fab. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, that's really lovely. It's kind of like, you know, sort of highlights the way of life. But I love what you said there about, you know, kind of not imposing, you know, your stuff onto them it's about them making their own their own choices and I think that really comes over in the way that you talk about this stuff you're passionate you're enthused you're very real um but it, it's sort of like you're not you know as you say you're not kind of forcing it onto people it's 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 there for them to kind of I think they're going to come and follow you and kind of join in because you make it sound so accessible and um you know and real and kind of it's it's all sounds you know we talk about magic but actually it all sounds very grounded to me you know it's very grounded um, in i don't know kind of, fun of it yeah it's sort of these practices that you know a lot of them have been going on for centuries um you know sort of 
why would you question it? And it was funny when you were talking about crystals, I reached then on my desk for um, someone gave me a smoky quartz um, and I've been, and I just, you know, I didn't even realize I'd done it. I just kind of reached for my crystal just as you were, you were sharing that. So yeah, the, the unconscious is all powerful as we like to say at 3B. Um, oh, there's just, it's just been so lovely chatting with you this afternoon, Anna. It strikes me in your story and everything that you're sharing that, you know, cause you, you mentioned about the different things that have happened in your life and, there's a resilience within you, it seems to me. Um, you know, that, that kind of ability to sort of keep moving forward and to keep sort of learning and growing. And that, like Claire was saying before, you're not, you don't have that fixed mindset. You know, it is very much that sort of growth and anything is possible. Would you, would you describe it as resilience? You know, like when you were talking earlier, sort of saying, oh, I don't know how I managed, you know, with all the kids and sort of doing stuff, but. You know, because that's a word that's very much in our vocabulary now, resilience, isn't it? Sort of another thing that we're all trying to sort of work on. Do you see yourself? I think I am resilient. Yeah. I think if I wasn't, I don't know where I'd be today. I think the way you'd have to look at it is, obviously, you've read my story. It's It has got, and I was writing it thinking, oh, my God, they're going to think I'm so bloody depressive and, like, sad and horrible. I was trying to think, how can I write it in like, a better way? But I had to just tell the truth. So it was the truth. But I think... If I wasn't resilient, where would I be today? And the way, the best way to look at it is every single person has got hurdles, whether hurdles are up there or down there. You've still got to get over them. So it doesn't matter. So someone might say to you tomorrow, you've had something really bad happen to me, and someone might go, oh, yeah, it wasn't as bad as mine. It doesn't matter. It's still a hurdle they've got to get over. You've got to give each of the, each person their own um, acknowledgement for what they're going through. Yeah, you can only deal what, with what's in front of you can't you? You can only deal with, with what's happening with you and you know like we often say kind of comparison it just doesn't get us anywhere it's sort of it sort of strips us of I don't know everything but it, you know in, in good ways and oh yeah it's it's just it's not worth following that path at all. No compassion and empathy if everyone had a bit more of that we'd all be all right. I, I know and I loved what you said earlier on about you know if everyone in the world did Reiki, there'd be no war. So we can kind of open up our idea of sort of empathy and possibility and what you were saying earlier about difference, you know. Is that I like the, um, sorry. No, no, go on. So when you were asking about, about um, how you deal with things with daytime, I like the five principles of Reiki because it is always just for today. So you don't even ever worry about tomorrow, just grow up today, and then tomorrow's another day. It's just for today, do not worry. Just for today, do not anger. Just for today, do your work honestly. Just for today, be grateful. And just for today, love every living thing. I think if you live by that every day, you're not doing too bad, are you? That's brilliant. Don't kill anything in our house. No spiders, no nothing. Um, in fact, when my son was 18 now, we went to school, there was a bee on the floor. It died. We had to bury the bee on the way to school. That's one thing the kids have all took from me. They're all quite um, compassionate for every living creature. Worms, everything. Can't kill anything. That's it, but I don't advocate that. <laughs> and you're talking about that and you're stroking the dog's head at the same time. Because she and won't leave you alone now. She wants, she wants to be involved. She can be involved. No problem at all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she can. Anna, 
you know, we, we've talked about such a lot and you've shared, you know, a lot about your kind of your, your personal story and your, and your situation, your circumstances, your family. Thank you so much for, you know, your honesty and your authenticity in, in our conversation this afternoon. You know, we, we always ask our guests to share um, a piece of music or a song that's sort of really meaningful them, for them. And I wonder, you know, does music play a part in your life? Where does kind of music fit? With, with oh, I've been in a choir for 11 years, I think, and, and that got me through lockdown. It was even couldn't sing with each other, but we had two hours. So we have two hours on a Wednesday. We go off to Hale and sing two hours, but they're like a choir family. I love them all. We've all seen each other's kids and grandkids broken stuff like that. So that kept me going. But when lockdown happened and we couldn't sing together, I had an hour in my bedroom with me earphones in and a hoodie on because it's freezing in there, singing to myself. And even just that hour, just to have a bit of singing to myself. Help loads. Get to learn songs every week so you could record it and you put, put it on YouTube, but give me something to focus on. So, music gives me a focus. Music's a big thing in my life. I love it. That's brilliant. And tell us about the song that you've chosen for us to play for you today. Well, as I mentioned, the Summerlands before, it's um, another name for heaven, but we are, to me, it's sunny, warm, colourful, bright, smells like flowers, looks like lovely green grass. So when my first son passed away, I chose someone over the rainbow, but I'd only heard the Julie Garland version, but I still liked it. I liked the sentiment behind it. It's like they're over the rainbow. I know it's like a cliche song, but I just liked it. Now when my second son passed away, I had the same song for him at the end of his funeral. But then when I met my husband now, he was he had YouTube on, he doesn't sing at all. But so we had YouTube on. So he's for his little girls, they were I think they were three and four, I think, at the time. And he played someone over the rainbow, but was it, I've never heard of it. It was by um, Hawaiian singer Israel, I think. Yeah. When I heard the version of that, I was like, wow. And it just made me feel dead positive and upbeat. And just because every time I heard the Judy Garland version, it made me sad. Then when I heard this version, I was like, that's amazing. His voice was amazing. So I didn't, I had to YouTube and found him. And then I couldn't believe he'd passed away, but his voice was amazing. So when we got married and had our hand fasting wedding, I wanted that at the end of it. So I thought that's like, happiness at the end of a sadness if that makes any sense so we had the israel version at the end of our wedding so that's that's a big meaning for me i love that song that was an extract from our radio show let's talk well-being you can listen in every thursday between 12 and 2 on hcr 92.3 fm or online on hcr 923 fm.com Thank you.